Hey, what's going on, brother? Hey, man. Can you can you hear me well? Yep. Okay. Well, we're gonna we're gonna we'll go with that. So, how have you been? Good, brother. I'm good. How about you? Uh, just sitting on my porch all morning, drinking coffee, thinking about fencing, <laughs> like I do. Nice, nice. Um, which is the whole point of this was to kind of go over the Marx Bruder. You are one of the subject matter experts, so <laughs> I like. Am I even? Uh, am I on the right track? Like we have to do some work, and this is gonna pull out some of these questions to research later. Yeah, good questions, bro. From what you've shared so far, I'm into it. I'm into it. It's uh, it's good. We'll we'll find some answers for sure. Yeah, well, I mean that's the goal. I guess. Uh, welcome to the fencing grounds. I'm Chris Van Slambrock, and I'm here with Kevin Maurer. We're just getting together, talking about engaging fencing stuff. All right, now that that's out of the way. The Marx Bruder. Mm. Like, what's the earliest mentioning of them? 74? 1474? The, not as imperial privilege, but just as a group of these, these um, I don't want to call them mercenaries. <laughs> That's not exactly how they were. Probably retired soldiers. I mean, what do, what do you think the true origins of the Marx Bruder were? Yep. There, there, there are several, there's several records out there. We know what they eventually became and which trades guilds were well known for being all a part of this group. But early on, I believe there was a need for skilled, combat experienced swordsmen. And uh, maybe these people ro roved around and eventually settled somewhere where there might have been some profit. And yeah, they were, they were definitely mercenaries and belonged to city militia, uh, guarding walls, etc. Yeah, I was wondering if they were like the fellowship of Johannes Lichtenauer that Paul's call lists out for everybody. Yeah, that may that may have been an early iteration of this that whole yeah that whole phenomena that there were you know uh, blue you know blue collar non non nobles and that they had probably gathered you know and we know going back to the 13th 14th century there were many brotherhoods yeah so the i think these fellows were just were just upholding that tradition they were doing what they'd seen others do for hundreds of years and and you know they were they they needed to eat man they needed to earn money and if uh they didn't always have the authority to teach others fencing i think it was a regulated thing uh in the early 15th century there was oh, some, I mean, some regulation the fencing arts you the know fencing the knights arts, yeah that was secret. the knights didn't want that yeah hey the knights <laughs> didn't want the the peasants to learn more than the peasants strike and you know whatnot so we see those those uh freedoms being granted to people more and more and i think this was a, a direct uh out out outcrop out, out, yeah. yeah, output of that so yeah uh early on don't know i mean it's still up for debate we know that there was Schirmmeister. Schirm yeah. Schul Schirm you know, before the schools, these yeah. combat training, probably group combat training. Pike, I mean, a lot of pike. I've got I've got early records from 1440, the 1440s. Um, that's a popping time for and the yeah, pivotal pivotal time. And there was some uh, request made. I think it was in Nuremberg to a city council. Uh, they wanted to teach, hold and teach. Somebody wanted to hold and teach a a fencing school, a Schirmschulen, with the with the Langenspieß, the pike. So obviously there was a need for that. wasn't just for fun. There was probably oh, no, was some, training. Yeah. some some shit was getting ready to go down, and these guys wanted wanted to train up a bunch of folks with this long staff. And uh, well, I mean, think about it though. Like as a city council member, you are tasked with the protection 
of you know your city and the residents there within i would totally pay a feckmeister a sheermeister a passing trifector to train up my city militia a certain amount of the approval that's being granted is like maybe the city because there's the two type of factuals i guess i should back up well we have we have kind of like learning events where there's actual training where they're like i'll teach you the five strikes how to get into a fight, how to get into, out of a fight, blah, blah, blah. And we get that from, like, I can't remember dude's name. It's one of the historical records. Um, fencing master put up his rules. Uh, see, this is terrible. I'll have to put it in the notes. Mm. <laughs> but we find, I mean, that's like what it is, 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 is you pay, you, they paid it, show up, and then if you want to learn some stuff, you'll pay me, you know... A gold coin so what it, what the quote is they'll pay me a gold coin and all they're getting are these five things so no one can say they learned the entire art of fencing for one gold coin <laughs> yeah 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 I don't know who that is I'm trying to think to myself but it's but a Hans <laughs> the the yeah somebody named Hans it's the fact I mean the fact and you know we're jumping away from the the Mark Spruder I'm sorry um, well, no, I mean they all but tie they together. But those. they all do tie together. They they definitely tie together, and the the Schirmschulen actually became the Fechtschulen when the Schirmmeister changed to the word Fechtmeister. We see that coinciding with somewhere near within a few years of 1487, when the Marksbrüder were given imperial privileges by Max the First. That whole thing is an interesting. The way that whole thing went down is is a whole interesting. There's a whole Say interesting that again. timeline. Say that again. So when the Marx Bruder, I thought it was Frederick the Third. Frederick the Third and 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 his son Max the First, they were co-ruling. Max the First yeah, yeah, was yeah, absolutely. was uh, was the uh, Holy Roman Emperor, yep. and and his whole rule, Maximilian the First, is known for sweeping changes and is so much paperwork in archive in archives that show what this guy was doing. He was like the young blood. And he was getting away from these, um, the older, yeah. feud, more feudalistic yeah. traditions and he rules was, and laws. Yeah, it was a big. That was, was what a time to be alive. Holy yeah, crap! Yeah, he was he was a mover and a shaker. And uh, and his father Friedrich the Third, while still the emperor and ruler of the of the of the Reich, the ruler of the empire, he gave his son this title as 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 um, emperor of the Romans. Yeah, yeah, and and that was a big deal. Well, they were they were definitely. Uh, Tromping all over Europe, militarily, and uh, the need existed for some loyal, um, a loyal army. We know they didn't have standing armies per se at the time. They had you no. Know, they would muster con- the, yeah. the 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 land servants, the Lanschknecht. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they weren't always loyal. They were in it for the, they were in it for the for the booty. You know. Well, the, they and, say no pay, no Lanschknecht. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. They had a lot of. <laughs> Even though they took their oaths, you know, so I think that that that, from what I've gathered and found, and that's kind of how uh, this group of people got their privileges. And originally, they were not the Brotherhood of Saint Marks. There was another brotherhood. Yeah, the um, Brotherhood of Our Lady, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Unser Unser Frau, Our Loving Lady. So it was some type of brotherhood uh, dedicated to uh, the Blessed Mother and. And they must have combined, paired up with 
another brotherhood whose patron saint was Saint Mark, or they all formed this and somebody said, no, you can't use Unter Liebenfrau, so they took a unanimous vote and chose, I think that's in Wasmansdorf, they, they, yeah. they unanimously chose um, Saint Mark and um, changed Which, their name. Well, I mean, so, that's yeah. because we already had, um, shoot, Saint George was already taken. Uh, there's a couple other orders that were around where, like, yeah. in the in in the Holy Roman Empire, where they're like, ah, <laughs> we're not allowed to use that because it's already somewhere else prevalently. Yeah, well, your uh, your your free imperial city there is is rather noisy today, bro. Oh Damn. man, yeah, I'm thinking about going inside. It's fucking. It's 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 distracting. Oh yeah. Uh, All right, I'll, I'll go inside. Well, you can. It is rather distracting. I'm sure the listener's going to be like, "What in the actual fuck?" But it's good stuff. People, hang in there. We'll we'll get uh, we'll get back on track here. Yeah, and... I'm going inside right now. Welcome to fencing grounds. <laughs> Let's talk about the Marks Brutus more now that we're. Uh, it's silent. No. Um. I'd have to almost rewind that to figure out where the hell we were at. We were talking about the origins, being the military origins of the shoot, the Marx Bruder, and even really these the the the, the fellowships, the the fel- all the brotherhoods and the fellowships. Those were all they were mostly like yeah. you'd retire from being a, a, a if you were a fencer, a swordsman. And you weren't going around training other fencing and swordsmen. Like, you were just a gun for hire, if you will. A mercenary. Um, what do you do when you get old and broken? You don't have citizenship anywhere. Right. Right? Right, right. So, and you could live in a small town somewhere, this and that. What are you going to do? Well. So they went to these coisters. Yeah. And they, and some of them wrote feck book from those places. And I think yeah. it's, that part is intriguing to me because you're getting the best practices of experienced people. It was another meeting place yeah. for warriors, where, where these, these brotherhoods. That That is exactly true because I'm in the process of writing a biographical account of a man named Meinhard Schwalinger. His father was an armorer maker in Augsburg, at the turn of the 16th century, so 1500s, early 1500s, uh, Meinhardt was the s- second son of an arm- armor maker, and that armor maker was renowned for the finest armor. So he he dressed out and made kit for all the most popular warriors of the day, and this is when Georg von Frunsberg, the father of the German Landsknecht, the actual founder of that, you know, late 1400s, had, uh, had been forming up groups to go down and and stomp some ass into Italy. So anyways, Meinhard Schwalinger, make a long story short, he he gets in with them and travels throughout his life. I've got his diary that I'm translating and going to write about. But uh, ultimately he ends up as a Fechtmeister in a small town in Bavaria, in Isny, and uh, in the Algoy region, and and that's exactly what he did. He he. They had to settle somewhere, you know. After their their lifetime of traipsing all over the empire, making war and gathering up gold and whatnot, and that's what that's what Schwalinger did. So we know a lot of these other cats did that until they were given. This group was given royal privileges by the emperor to teach the fencing arts and hold 
these fencing schools. That meant a small fortune. That was yeah, highly, that was highly profitable well, to that make was masters. What these and, were doing. Paul's call among them. They yeah. were they were training up, you know, wealthy. But for a local duke, though, yes. it was the, like yeah. they all had their own little duke, and the duke hired them master at arms. This was on a scale that had not been previously seen. No, no, it was this, special. This, I just wanted yeah. to make sure that you you said that because like the context yeah. is everything. Yeah. Like they just they they basically gave. It was like making a guild, I guess. I mean, it's oh yeah, because it's still when a brotherhood, it, yeah. the Marx Brutal, but it became that def like you. I think you say in one of your articles a de facto guild. Yeah, because they could make masters, and within any trade, um, that was what's required. Yeah, th yeah, that was a big deal to make a master. That was that was you were the you were at the height of that, and it made that trades guild popular your work your product whatever you produced you weren't just a bunch of hacks pounding out you know swords or, or knives or spoons or forks you had masters doing that and that i think meant something that's lost on the modern times today that the word meister and and okay so it followed into the fencing art you know the uh, this this artisans guild as much as it wasn't a trades guild or a craft guild it was an artisans guild well the craft was Violence. Fencing required to become a fry factor or uh, a master of the law. You still had to fight with the dusak, a one-handed bladed weapon. Mm -hmm. And you still had, you know, simulator, whatever. We can define a dusak later. And the sword in two hands, of course. But you also had to do polearm. Yeah. You had to fence with the yeah. polearm. That's just to get your master of the sword. Three weapons. We see Three that weapons. early on. Yeah, we see that. Longsword, Duzak, and, and some type of polearm. And we see those all being used in Fexual, and it wasn't just one single weapon. They, they were multi-disciplines multi within that. Fencing arts. So um, well, that's just the requirement that these military veterans in the Holy Roman Empire that got this privilege from the emperor, the Marksbruder, they set that in place. They had... Yeah. The emperor said, you get this imperial privilege to, you know, make masters. Teach and then make those masters. But once you make them, like, they teach. Well, that, that was definitely requested. There's a, there are articles and things written saying that we requested of the emperor uh, permission to do this. Oh, and, I am uh, sure so, yeah. the emperor and the powers that be were letting it known yeah. that, you know, the bankrolling of a quote non-standing army when activated when they would muster the slash connect was yeah. draining the coffers like you illuminate in your 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 article the origins of the march brood or something like what what's the title of your article again because this one's important that's an important article yeah it was the um, the history and origins of the of history the march brooder yeah history and origins of the march brooder and and it was it was a patron their their patron the house their house was the house of Leuvenberg. Lion, you know, Lion's Mountain, the House of Leuvenberg, and and we see that name attached with Mark Spruder from from the get go and all throughout. So it was uh, quite a search to find in Frankfurt this uh, this House of Leuvenberg as as and and who they were and why. There's still not a, not enough known about why they became the patrons of the Mark Spruder, but you can only assume that there was. Uh, there was influence there, well, a there was, probably a long-standing yeah, um, contribution yeah. contributions a back-and-forth relationship where yeah. probably a patron of this brotherhood one of these brotherhoods that were grafted Members. into the Marsbruder yeah. 
badass. They're probably warriors. They're probably all swordsmen. And, and yeah, so the so the privileges actually gave them the rights to make a small fortune, and that was and that that meant a lot. So now you could be this roving swordsman. You could fall in with these guys, become a member, and actually earn a living while contributing back to the guild. Like any other trades guild, there was a dues box, and you would have all the dispositions of the monies and whatnot. We see a lot of that in the. Uh, in that Hans Madel, the I-625, there's a lot of interesting things in there about the guild early on, and, and uh, it's unfortunate that that's not clearly dated. Yeah. So you and you and I were previously talking about the making of Freifest or something that's always been very... Uh, Near and dear. Uh, I- yeah, interesting to us, and, and I've searched high and low and got access to books talking about that, and the latest one was on that uh, Cresselius was a body servant to the Emperor Ferdinand in the late 1600s or mid 1600s, and he went and took a test in Leipzig yeah, he to just become. lists a, out the stuff. It's beautiful. Yeah, to, be, to become a Freifester, and it was being tested by the Marxbooter. So, you know, obviously we look at Joachim Meyer being a Freifester, and you and I were talking about this recently. Yeah. How and where did Meyer get that? And we could assume that it had to be through the Marxbooter. Roger Norling early on said, no, no, Meyer was a Marxbooter, and because of that that idea that there were only legitimate well, instructors even, for the Marx Buddha. Think about the sources that were, are out there for early on, even in, in this, this HEMA resurgence. Wasmansdorf yeah. and Castle and like Hutton. They were the easiest yeah. accessible stuff. And there's a yeah. whole other list of stuff. But oh, yeah. those oh, sources yeah. I know say Marx Bruder. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think they had put, they had put one, and, one and two together and and come up with three. They definitely. Well, there's probably um, other sources that were destroyed that may have clarified, like simple stuff, that may have clarified that, you know, you must be a Marx Bruder approved Freifector to make another Freifector, or you must be a Marx Bruder master to make an, a Freifector before yeah. they go to Frankfurt. Yeah. Which is where the Marx Bruder test is. And I wanted to talk about that because yeah. I'm going to segue. Frankfurt. There's some long-standing tradition that of the combat of arts, and that's why the Marx Bruder were, uh, you know, housed in Head, out of their headquarters, headquarters, headquarters out of there, there. instead yeah. of where Vienna or Nuremberg or Nuremberg. Friedrich the Third was that's right. The cap, the, cap, the quote-unquote capital, switched around obviously with uh, threats from the east. It was constantly. In, in Western Europe, the threat from the East, whether it was the Ottomans or whether it was the the Hungarians or the Bohemians, or, there was always some unrest there. It wasn't always a, a hunky-dory place. The empire was not always... And they obviously tried to uh, gain as much land as they could and subjects and everything. The, em- the empire needed to oh, hey, man, that's expand. how you tax them. Yeah, sure. Yeah, they learned that. Yeah, I mean, that's just... They learned that right yeah. from the Romans. Yeah, the Romans, and uh, but yeah, that didn't always work, you know. And and but there's a lot of neat stories about that. Anyways, the um, I'm gonna jump way ahead. Hey, just, hey go for it, just, baby. Just because it, it just because it fits in here, the the next fencing guild aside from the Marx Bruder. So fast forward till the the 1550s and 60s, there was there was a there was another group forming, and they were not. Um, falling under the Marx Bruder purposefully, I don't yeah. believe. I believe that they yeah, did I think that. They had religious. It may be differences. That's it where may, I've been it, leaning it, for years. It really, it really may be. I just, although it's still 
because I'll always find something that refutes that and, and doesn't or doesn't support that premise that the Federfechter, the Viterfechter were uh, the fighters of St. Vite. They chose their painter saint, a bunch of Freifechter. Now remember, they're known as the Freifechter von der Feder. So these were not like masters of the longsword. Well, they were Marx Bruder approved Freifechter. Yeah. And if you look at the two tests, the test for a longsword master of, of Marx Bruder, master of the longsword, and the yeah. test for a Freifechter, oh boy, they're remarkably similar. It, but yeah. in, in Frankfurt, you take all comers and they're all Marx Bruder masters, and they all must come to consensus. Well, that was... That's that, different than just yeah. an open one in Augsburg yeah. or Strasbourg. Yeah. Or yeah. Leipzig, yeah, yeah. The, other, the other free imperial cities. The, we, we know that the Marx Bruder made masters in Frankfurt am Main. Frankfurt am Main, we know in the plaza, just down Roma. the street, just down the, just down the street from the uh, Unser Liebenfrau church, and just down the street from the alley where the House of Leuvenberg was, we know that they were headquartered there for whatever reason. Um, and they certified masters there once a year so you would be a student you live in Strasbourg you live in wherever you'd be a student under a master or a fechtmeister and you get good you're paying him you're paying that person to learn yeah finally finally you may become a freifechter or may not maybe you did and then you said I want more I want to become a master yeah so you would you would avow Angelopen Meister would be an avow you you avow to your master well, that you're going to take this test see and this is where you and I differ my friend culturally I don't think that that fencing master would let you make that vow vow excuse me to become a master in Frankfurt if he didn't think you could right. so I think that they were allowed to make that vow after, after they went through effectual taking on all comers. Okay. After they met the actual standard. If you come to me, Kevin, and you're like, uh, Chris, I, I think I got the stuff. You know, I'm going to swear to you that I'm going to take the test. I'm like, uh, if I, I'm like, oh yeah, you know what? Yeah, you do. You're ready. But instead, I think it often was maybe, but since you're going to say that you're my student, we're going to have effectual and we'll see how you do. And then you can swear. Don't okay. make false oaths, man. Don't make yeah. false oaths, and don't don't be the guy to cause someone to break their their oath. Yeah. And I think that if I was your instructor and you were that not up sense. to snuff, then I would feel responsible for you failing and making an oath that you were never able to keep, because my training wasn't putting you where you needed to be. That's that's a good point because in their charters, there it, it speaks to specifically to that in several instances. It's not totally yep. clear. It's not totally clear, but it's basically saying if you're a master of the longsword and you come into a city, and there you meet a Freifechter who has not kept up his oath and showed up, then you, he's he's supposed to to stop teaching. The Freifechter is supposed to stop teaching until he fulfills that oath that he had promised and swore to go in and through. And again, there's a financial, there's an economical uh, situation to this that we're probably not looking at as well. Like you're paying a master, you're paying him for how many years? What's the point? What What is the end? What is the end goal for you? You just, you're just going to be yeah, so really yeah, good? Well, well, or? There's like what? There's, there's probably a couple type of humans just like there are now. Right. So you probably had the cats that like they, they saw, they're like, oh my gosh. I'm going to be a warrior. They people, they, you know who you are. 
they join the military, they don't join the military, they're MMA fighters. Like there's always yeah. been this, this yeah. selection of humans that are going to try to turn it up to 11 as far as martial arts and stuff. Yep. And so maybe it's that type of person. And then they're involved and once they run out of skill from this teacher, you know, they want more. Or they want to now they want more because they want to be good, or they want more because they want to be an instructor. If you want to instruct, you had to go through the Marx Bruder. You wanted to be a master and yeah. have public recognition as such. Money. You and wanted to make money. You can't teach fencing if you, you wanted to make money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you wanted it was the it was the lure of economics there to become a master. You made more money in a in a in a cutlery cutler's guild. If you were a master, if you were oh, a yeah. carpenter, if you yeah, I mean, Meyer, you Meyer, I figured it. I found a couple things in that Strauss, that book that I got, and right. in the 16th century, like a fully trained craftsman was making 375 to 750 thaler a year. So the average taxes in the imperial free cities were 75 to 150 thaler. Right. He was making money. He was making. What I'm trying to say is, if it, if it costs one gold coin, like to learn five moves at effectual, plus everyone else is paying you a couple freaking shillings. Yeah. Like, that's not nothing. And then it's also advertising further lessons. Yeah. Sometimes I bet you the city hired them. And like you said, it's like just like the Shearmeister's like, hey. Or guilds. Other or guilds, guilds would. Yeah. yeah, the guilds would say. And I think that's where we get a lot of this this guild interaction with the Marx Bruder early on. They were from the Kirshner's Guild, the. Uh, the Tanners Guild, the furriers, the guys that that skinned animals and 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 uh, created pelts so that somebody then could sew that shit into yeah. clothes. The, Do you the know Kirshner. Who, who filled the Kirshner Guild's roles, former and yeah. current soldiers? It was a dirty trade. It was not yep. an honorable trade. Yep, yep, yep. That's true too. They and uh, it was a hard trade. You see them whacking. Uh, a skin, and it looks like they've got Duzak. There's three guys beating on this giant skin, and a few of the uh, Yostaman and some other things from the Stendebuch, and their right arms, you know, very, very meaty right arms. So yeah, they were, they were definitely not uh, goldsmiths or whatnot. And then along come the the um, the Fader Factor. Yes, let's get back to the Fader Factor. Yeah, 1560s. So the 1560s, we're we're starting to see this Griffin appear, whereas the 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 Marx Bruder used the lion. Uh, as their as their symbol, uh, the line of Saint Mark. So along comes this Griffin we're seeing in like some early Virgil Solus, 1555, yep. 1550s. We see a with long sword dudes and some staff guys and Dusak. And there's a there's a very unique Griffin in there, and it looked like a Mecklenburg Pomeranian Griffin. We know because from of the the hind legs, yeah. The cloven the cloven hoofs. They they that was a combination from Pomerania of the bull. A bull with cloven hoofs as the rear leg and the uh, and the eagle. So we're we're thinking early on that there was some patronage to a groups of fencers up north there in Mecklenburg, Pomerania. Well, doesn't it make sense that these fencers, Marx Bruder and the Fader, Fighter Fector, were they would take symbolism from their original patron, lion, totally. lion, griffin, totally. griffin. No, so, totally. No mysteries yeah. here. No, that's you know that's so. And then and then obviously history tells us that in 1570, a duke in Mecklenburg, uh, unnamed so far, um, gave them an an unofficial Kleinod, Kleinod being a small shield. Uh, it was a shield. A it was a symbol. Yeah, it was a yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. a small license 
to this group of fencers. Well, he couldn't legally have done that. The emperor gave official royal, you know, royal officially approved stamp of approval and the signet and all that other stuff. And that was just to hold Fechtschulen. Well, that enraged the Marx Bruder. Well, yeah, and, they were teaching and making money at these events. Holy and then by, by 1579, we see out of Nuremberg quite a few Fechtschulen rhymes, these rhyming poems, where they were seriously shit-talking each other and and making threats in there through two-line uh, rhyming limerick-type poems. And, and that was in the 1570s. We know that the Federfescher didn't get royal privileges until 1607, 1608. So even 30 years prior to them getting official privilege, there were a group known as these Federfescher. Well, they, yeah, well, I mean, I think, well, that's colloquial. And that yeah. was talking about the Freifechter, the free fencers. Yeah. that were Marx Bruder approved that were never going to go be a master for whatever reason. But then they decided they wanted to be masters. They Like, we're masterful. We don't what? They don't want to pay. They don't want to yeah. pay back. They don't want to pay their dues. Right. That's what yeah. it is. I mean, yeah. just think about I mean, this is business. They're like, these dues are too high for what I'm getting. Well, yeah. e even in Frankfurt, even in Frankfurt in 1575, there are archived documents of Marx Bruder masters complaining to the city council that these that these fuckheads are coming in here holding Fechtschulen, and they're not Marx Bruder. The, they're some there's some other group, and they're free fencers of the feather, mm -hmm. the feather, and they were. I mean that <laughs> that really pissed the Marx Bruder off. That took some balls to do right in their own headquarters. You know the city Frankfurt am Main. They, they're doing this, and of course the City Council ruled uh, in favor and said, "Yeah, those remind them that that uh, that they've got to stand down." So there was probably some violence so involved there. I don't. So that's Dude, the totally losing right? connection that's the here. Oh, that's too bad. Totally lost you there. Totally, and some alien shit there. That bummer. All right, you know what? It doesn't right. matter. <laughs> let me let me hear you. Yeah, that's better now. Whatever you were doing there. Um, All right. That was um, the NS. The NSA wanted to hear what we were fucking oh saying. Man, they they're love, interested they've been too. listening to they us love this shit <laughs> for almost a decade. How long has it been? It's been over a decade. How long is uh, two thousand? Yeah, it's been a long time, Kevin. Eleven been, years. Eleven years. Least, we've been talking about Meyer a lot too, not just infrequently, but sometimes right. daily for there was, hours. There was never a time where the NSA yeah. wasn't listening to us because of our <laughs> because of our because of our background, and that's that's oh, true. Yeah. So I yeah. think it's hilarious. There's someone's job <laughs> to listen to 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 it, it, at least it's being recorded and it's metadata, blah blah blah. But someone's got to check it because of our yeah. well, a lot of the people I talk to's background. <laughs> I'm Key, on a list. Keyword. Some keyword shit. Anyways, the um, it, it's an it's an interesting history, and it's the timeline is is everything. And uh, so fast forward 1580s, 1590s, we see this group is still these Fader, these Freifester Funder Fader, they're still, they're still doing their thing. They're still going strong. So these are the free fencers that wouldn't step down. They're not yeah. honoring the privilege. And then, you they, know what, then they went and got their own. Well, of course, you know I'm going to write a poem about that, assholes. It would be interesting to see if there are Marx Bruder masters from the 1570s, 80s, 90s, who were Calvinist, who were Protestant mm. reformers. Mm. That would be interesting to see a religious, you know, the, 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 uh, 
the dispositions of, of, of what religion, because we know that there was freedoms going on and you look at Jochen Meyer being a Calvinist and we associate, uh, we try to associate, I've read some things from the Thirty Years War where in the 1620s or 30s, it was some poem written by a Catholic that said those, those, those damn fader fester, and it was really, it was talking about the enemy yeah. The, 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 the reformists, but he called them, he, they were called Federfescher, and I thought, okay, that's it, that's proof, but it's not enough. Roger no, and I had long, no, long I, discussions. I wish and, it was enough. We're close, though, but I mean, we're close. There's definitely... Something to that. Consider the time frame. It is everyone, every, every history book you're probably going to pick up is going to call it tumultuous. You know, it's a tumult. Imagine a world about to fall apart, like yeah. socially economically yeah society, violently violently, violently like it's, not just a little bit if you don't believe like i believe i'll kill you you yeah, know it was yeah it was an brutal. uncivil war over there and it and it, it sucked in a lot of other countries northern european countries got sucked into that all politically all all religiously it was this uh, political social religious thing that but that's neither here nor there what really matters is what was going on in 1570 and this build-up and these fencing books that we see certain masters writing that was going to teach, going to have the ability to teach um, these war arts to people who would then enforce their right, their religious freedoms and rights, where yeah. they were going to be imposed on by some imperial bullshit. And, 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 and a duke like Johann Casimir or any of the guys who Meyer dedicated his, his four known fencing works to were Calvinists, yeah. Mil militant, the militant group of of reformists who said, "Yeah, you're not, you're not telling me or my people in my kingdom uh, uh, what we're going to have to do, or or these or these uh, all of the, all of the problems that Luther, uh, Martin Luther had originally found the selling of indulgences and all that shit. They people just got fed up. They got fed up and they and they armed themselves and and that's it. We saw it." Early on, with the Schmal Coalition League and, and yep. different things, the, the peasants revolt and stuff like that, they got put down brutally. But then along comes these fencing masters who are teaching, and uh, so we have Freifester, Fender like Fader, Andrea, Pauenfein. Yeah, Pauenfein. We, we yeah, yeah. Fry, right, Freifester. Well, you brought him up, so I had yeah. to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, probably well known to Meyer. Probably his works were known to Meyer and, well, and now, others. you know, who, and here that brings up a what version of Andrea Palenfein's work do we think Meyer had access to? Because think about it. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, the original work came out in like 1515, right? 1530, something like that? I'm going to have to look. <laughs> no, I thought it was 1517. Right, that sounds right. It was early. Early, early. Yeah, it was early. It was early. Yeah. It was then Aganoff, like, it was, it was translated by, like, it was a, that was a stupidly popular book. Yeah, history shows that as one of the first printed, you know, where he published that. I mean, that was a printed, published work. And the font, I always loved the font. I did a lot of studying early on about that. And the font that he chose was this Roman font. And if it's so easy for us today to read because it looks like modern, a modern printed font. But back then they were like, oh, why did he choose this? Well, it was the <laughs> printer. It was the... the, the uh, the Hieronymus, uh, ah, their name eludes me, but there were some brothers that that were that were fond of that font, and they were like Eastern European publishers who made who made the rounds, and I guess ended up in 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 Vienna, in in that area, and published this work for him in that font. 
huh. and you look at and I think that made a lot of uh, that made a lot of history. People looked at that old historians in the 1800s. It was so they, yeah, modern. they looked and said, "Whoa, it's not fracture. Whoa, it's not handwritten. Whoa, it's in this this Roman font. This certif whatever this Roman font was called. I have it all written down somewhere. I did a lot of research on that and the and the artist and all that shit because obviously I love anything Freifester and Power and Fine being a Freifester. There's a there's a bunch of good data has come out about him too recently, uh, biographical shit about him. So it, it's interesting. We don't know, Chris, in well, answer I mean, to the question, uh, the, who, the, what version Meyer saw or had access to. We, we just don't. But we know that Leinhardt Swollinger had one, like redone in like the and 1560s. You're gone. Oh, now I'm gone. I, I dipped yeah. out. This is terrible. Can you still hear me? Nope. 